Hey friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Advice Not Given podcast. Today's topic, we're going to be talking all about the subject of time. And if you're looking at the timestamp on this episode and noticing that is a little bit longer, we have a reason for that. So today we're introducing our all new episode layout where we'll have our regular conversation. And then we're also going to add in a conversation or an interview with either a friend or an expert that we know uh, to add some weight to what we've already been talking about. So today you're in for a treat because we have not one but two interviews from actual experts. You're going to be hearing from Claire's friend, Amy Harvey, and my friend, Amy Bouchatz, all about their take on time, productivity, and just how to make the most out of your day. So we hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Advice Not Given podcast. Each week, we share unfiltered, truth-telling conversations between two friends. You're invited to eavesdrop as we give each other the advice you didn't ask for, but wish you did. We're your hosts, Kelly Artis and Claire Wood of Nolspo Gurus, and this is Advice Not Given. Kelly, our conversation today has really kind of stemmed from, well, partly the new beginnings, the beginning of the year, resolutions, everybody's kind of on, it's on our minds to like get our stuff together, so to speak. But you read a book that really kind of incited this conversation. Can you tell us a little bit about the book and its premise? I did. Well, let me back up a little bit more even because I had never heard of this book and never heard of this author. And honestly, truly, you guys like productivity hacking and you know, burly bird stuff. Like I'm one of these people that always feel kind of shamed that uh, I don't wake up at 4am and like live my life before my kids wake up. <laughs> I like literally wake up and wave at them as they're walking out the door to the bus or to my to the carpool. Um, so I usually tune out when I hear people talking about this kind of stuff. But I went to a conference in October and um, Amy Bouchat's a good friend now, um, was speaking about uh, this concept of time hacking or, you know, making the most of your time. And I was like, okay, well, this is one that I will like be attentive to, but not really. Like, this is not my, this is not my session, right? Right. Um, I, de- I devoured everything she said. Um, now, yes, she is a wake up at 4 a.m., run over mountains and like <laughs> write 18 articles and all this stuff kind of thing before 9 a.m. So I'm like, well, I can't aspire to be you. But what was incredible is like the way she talked about how this book contains so many actionable, um, easy kind of digestible bites. And also, you guys, a way to type yourself and figure out how to become more self-aware with your and more in tune with your own body's natural rhythms and that there's a rhythm for everybody. Oh, and so, you, had, you had us at typing yourself, right? Because we love right? us some quizzes and labels and systems. <laughs> I mean, listen, anything to give excuses for now. <laughs> no, but okay, so here's the deal. Like, you know, yes, that's exactly what Claire and I are into right now is all the self-awareness we can get our hands on. So um, basically, I'm going to try to sum it up and then we'll dive deeper into some of the concepts um, as we go along. But basically, um, you have a chronotype. Um, and you guys may have heard about this before, you know, everyone knows you have like a sleep rhythm, you know, where you have deep sleep and you know, waking sleep and how to try to maximize that. Right. Um, but there's a rhythm to when you go to bed and when you get up and this isn't when you go to bed because you know, you have to wake up at a certain time to go to work. Right. This is if you Saturday on a weekend and you have no restrictions whatsoever, you're allowed to just live your life. Um, when would you naturally fall asleep and naturally wake up out of bed? Um, Claire, what does that look like for you? Well, I hope I'm not debunking everything you're trying to tell us here. <laughs> you but, might. <laughs> and, and I do want to actually give you credit because um, it wasn't until we got to hang out in person that you told me about 
the iPhone bedtime feature. And so I use that and it has helped get me into a rhythm. So when you're asking about my weekend sleep, girl, I am partying hard. I go to bed the same time on the weekends as I do on the weeknights, <laughs> which is about 9.30, <laughs> maybe 10, wow. maybe 10.30. So, uh, you know, wow. but, but but to your point that you'll get to later, I am an early bird. And so I almost crave like bedtime because I know the sooner I get to bed, the sooner I get to wake up and start a new day. So mm. when you stay up late, like quote unquote late, mm. like, I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock, can you still wake up in the morning? Like, is your body still dragging you out of bed? You're just tired for the day or do you try to sleep? No, no, I can do it. But what I have noticed is if I do stay up past about 1030 or 11, I get into what I call a second wind and I get really awake. And then mm. I have a really hard time falling asleep, like to the tune of like, you know, 132, 230. And I'm right, right. So for me, it's like, I know I need to, when I hit that first wave of tiredness or like rhythm of sleep, I need to lean into it because otherwise I could be up for four more hours and no sight of sleep in sight. Wow. So yeah. So I, I have the bedtime. So there's a feature on an iPhone that'll tell you like when you should go to bed and it'll give you this sweet little gentle nudge, like, Hey, Kelly, go to bed. Um, (laughs) and then it'll wake up at a certain, you know, it'll wake you up at a certain time too. It's so, so sweet. But, um, I ignore it all the time. My kids even laugh. They're like, you just swipe all the notifications. Like they see me swipe the screen time alert. (laughs) They're like, whatever. So one of my Peloton, one of the Peloton instructors says, I make suggestions. You make decisions. I'm like, yep. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, so, but no, um, I, try to go to bed but if I want to really go to bed at 10 o'clock which I think is ideal um I have to like I'll even I've been taking melatonin gummies to try mm-hmm. to like get me to like start winding down I've started reading instead of watching tv I'm not gonna lie and say I do it all the time but um try to not be in front of my computer which mm-hmm. is really difficult just given my work schedule the way I have my life set up um just to be able to get myself to wind down and get in bed. And you know what I've been loving? This is not about the topic at hand, but you guys, we've talked about the Headspace app before. Mm-hmm. Um, Headspace has free memberships for military and military families. Um, take advantage of that. I'll dig that link up somewhere. Um, they kind of, they keep it quiet because they got flooded last time they announced it. But anyway, um, they do guided meditations to, to like get you to sleep and they're called wind downs. Mm. And it's life-changing. So hopefully I will have something uh, more better habits to, um, to talk about as we go along. So, um, okay. We didn't mention the name of the book. The name of the book is when W H E N. <laughs> I always <laughs> think of all the, we were like laughing. We couldn't think of the word W H E N when, and the author is Daniel pink or Dan pink. Um, and it's the subtitle something about the science of timing. Um, he tells you that you can figure out your chronotype based on you take the hour you go to bed and the hour you wake up and find the midpoint. And then you overlay that midpoint on like this graph that he has. And it'll tell you whether or not you're an early bird, a third bird or a night owl. Okay. I'll find all these. I think we know probably what an early bird and a night owl is. Can you elaborate on a third bird? Well, they just get up a little bit later. So an early bird, I want to say wakes up around like five, 6 Um, Mm -hmm. a.m. Those kind of people. Um, they're hitting their peaks around, I want to say seven or eight, maybe nine ish. And then they're, you know, they're, we haven't gotten that far yet. There's this natural curve to your day, right? Everyone hits two kind of peaks during their day. So when you wake up a couple hours later, you're kind of gradually climbing, you're waking up and you're getting to this 
or initial peak. Um, and then after you hit your peak, you're going to start falling off and that's your trough. All right. Everyone knows about the afternoon. Like when you start to drag, like that's your trough. That usually lasts a couple of hours. Once you recover from that, there's something called a rebound, which is the second sort of peak to your day. And then after that, you're winding down to go to bed again. So early birds hit their first peak around like, I don't know, seven, eight ish, nine. Uh, third birds maybe hit it around 10 a.m. or so, you know, a little bit later, 10, 11, maybe 12. Uh, night owls, which are only one quarter of the population. He said hmm. three out of four people are either an early bird or a third bird. So most people listening are going to be uh, fall into that category and have a typical rhythm, right? That means you guys are going to hit your trough between 2 and 4 p.m. I have a question I want to ask. Because I, I admit, I have not read the book. I've only gotten my information secondhand from Kelly. Does he say anything in the book about whether or not this phenomenon is nature or nurture? Because I'm thinking in my mind, like, has, has society or industry or technology, like, forced this? Because I, I'm thinking back to, like, maybe pioneer days or early agricultural days where, I mean, could somebody seriously, like, sleep in till 11 or 12 and get up and do their work or you know what I'm saying like back in the day our productivity was based around like sunlight hours and daylight right. and and sunset yeah. and does he mention anything in there about how like that's evolved with culture and time um, yeah no he definitely talks about you know our reception to daylight I mean it causes all these hormonal you know triggers and everything in your body like you know, so yes, you're, it's, I want to say it, it predominantly it's nature. Mm-hmm. Um, what he does acknowledge is that society is not built for night owls. Like right. it's just not, um, culturally, we're just not really like, we're not really there yet. And that's fine. I mean, look, it's fine. He gives some really great insights into how to adjust your day, um, and your work patterns and gives, uh, night owls specifically some uh, tricks <laughs> to kind of overcome it. Um, what I And again, what I loved about it, and um, this kind of goes back to even knowing your Enneagram type or any other type, it's like, oh, I'm not like such an odd bird. Like that, there mm-hmm. are some explanations for why things seem harder for me than for other people. I, I could get my body out of bed at 4 a.m. It has happened before. Don't be shocked. My husband, the most early of all early birds, right? Like he wants to, if we take a trip anywhere, he wants to be in the car by like five. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I can't even fathom that concept, but I will do it because he packs the car and all I have to do is like walk the dr- down the driveway to get to it. Um, right. I can do it, but he knows not to talk to me mm-hmm. for several hours. Like I don't, my body will not respond to that. Like my brain won't turn on like nothing. So, so I, I know the- that it's Night owl, tell us like when, when kind of in a, during the week, maybe not weekend, but during the week, when are you hitting your peak? When are you hitting your trough? When Mm -hmm. are you rebounding? So he says that, and I haven't dug deep enough into this to speak too intelligently on it. So um, again, you have two peaks, you've got the first peak um, and then you've got your trough and you have a rebound peak. And what's really cool is he actually suggests doing your um, analytic tasks during your peak. Um, so that what time first, of day for you is, is that as a night out? Well, so hang on. Cause okay. he says that your first peak is your analytic tasks. And the second is called a rebound. And that's where you should be doing your insightful tasks, like your more creative stuff. But he says that night birds have the order reversed night oh. birds, night owls. So, <laughs> so <Night birds. laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, so it just even gets more complicated, but okay. But for me, like not just, dis- 
not making a discrepancy between the two types of peaks. Um, I feel like I am like jamming at work around like 12 to two. Mm-hmm. Um, I hit a trough around four or five o'clock. So when I should be cooking dinner, I would really love to lay down on the couch. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so that's a challenge. And then I stride into this next sort of like, if my kids weren't around, I had to do all the things, right. If I could just like go back to my office, I do some of my best work around like eight, 9 PM, 10 hmm. o'clock. And then it takes me forever to wind down from that. Like, it's not a big deal. If I didn't have to wake up in the morning, I would stay up till one, two every night. Yeah. Cause I just, that's when I'm on. That's when my brain works. That's when I'm like getting stuff done. So but um, to your point, society, AKA the time your kids it. have to be at school, yep. <laughs> you're, it's forcing you back into that, that mm-hmm. timeline. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I'm definitely like right on whatever he says about the early birds. Cause I'm up usually between six and six 30. I'm hitting my peak. It's aligning with after I've had about a gallon of coffee. So about 738, <laughs> I'm like feeling it. I could, you know, conquer the world. But then I hit mine right after lunch. I hit my trough. And um, I was actually talking to Ryan because I, I do tend to do a lot of my mental productivity type things during my peak. But I feel like I push off my exercise until later in the day. Mm-hmm. And I've mm-hmm. been thinking like, well, oh, I'm hitting my trough. That's why I don't feel like getting out and going. But I think you told me just now a minute ago that like, no, that's when I should be. I should be using my trough time to do my physical exercise. Well, and it's now it makes it harder because you're right. You lose the willpower. You lose like the gumption, right? Because you just want to like lay down. You just want to sit and chill and take your break. And you feel like you've earned it because you've Mm -hmm. done so many great things during your first peak. Mm -hmm. Um, But the problem is if you're wasting your first peak time on uh, something like exercise that doesn't require the heavy analytical lift um, or the the critical thinking sort of section of your brain, um, that's a that's a detriment, right? Yeah. Like you're 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 losing an opportunity to do that. So again, talking to um, Amy about this, she she loves going to the gym in the morning because that's when all her people go to the gym. It's like social hour mm-hmm. for her. Um, but she finally had to come to the realization that she was eating up like two hours of her really good peak analytical time that she needed to be using for work. So she shifted her gym time to a bit later in the day during her trough. Um, she still has the willpower to go because she, she is who she is. <laughs> she's a right. superhero. Um, but she's able to capitalize on those chunks of time in a more efficient way. Right. So, um, so yeah. So she does get into, or he, Dan, gets into a ton of tips on how to do these rhythms better because they don't mm-hmm. change. So you, you hit it on, you hinted on it earlier, like, Things don't change. Society doesn't change just because you go to bed late, right? right. Um, so you have to figure out how to accommodate. Um, so he's a ton of tips. So some of the um, more interesting things that I took away from this uh, is that we don't make decisions well in the afternoon. Mm. So if you need to make a big decision or you have some sort of high performance thing to do uh, that you need to really be focused on, you need to schedule that during your first peak. Um, mm. That also influences appointments that you make and things that you go do in life, like the doctor and like court hearings, (laughs) (laughs) apparently judges are way less lenient in the afternoon than they are in the morning. So this is kind of a universal trend that you can apply to things that you're doing day to day anyway. So if you get pulled over for a speeding ticket, you're probably less likely to get off on a warning in the afternoon. So no, I'm just kidding. Don't ever speed. But um, yeah, they talk about um, 
he talked about proposing like schools shift their schedules to put like math and science heavy sort of subjects in the morning and have like creative writing in the afternoon or art classes or some of the specials, right? Like there are all sorts of uh, adjustments we can make in our day to help again, capitalize on when your peaks are. Well, and I want to speak to this too, as a teacher and someone who has been in charge of a lot of young people during those long days at school, you mentioned something else. He talks about kind of the cycle of the work and then the break and I believe you gave the statistic of like it's a 52 minute cycle of work or for every 52 minutes you work, you need a 17 minute break. And yep. those of us with kids in schools or have taught in schools, that is not the paradigm we're living with those frequent right. long breaks. It might be a quick two minute break to like, you know, get up and switch classes or get up and you know do something small. But I know for me at home, even I, I try to live by that work, break, work, break. And I know two things I've probably mentioned on here before, but I like the Be Focused app, which gives you these 25 minute work sessions and you're supposed to kind of like hunker down and really push it for the 25 minutes, then you get a five minute break and you do enough of those within like, I don't know, I think you do three or four cycles and then you get a big 25 minute break. So I love that Mm -hmm. idea of of breaks because I think we all get super focused on the productivity part and the pushing and the working and the, you know, just one more email, just one more thing. Mm -hmm. But when we're not taking the adequate breaks, um, that can kind of be detrimental to us as well. So all that for me falls under that Pomodoro technique and I'll link to that in the notes. Oh, awesome. Yeah. He talks about, um, and it's the type of break you take. You can't just like stand up and stretch. You actually like cut that section of your brain off and react, like activate something else. So he talks about don't eat like a sad desk lunch, get up and go eat with your friends. Right. If you're in a work environment, he talks about like going outside, taking a walk, clear air, do not take your phone. You know, mm-hmm. do not scroll Instagram, like literally do something else. So the way in which you break or play matters too. Um, so another type of break that I am a huge fan of. Yes, <laughs> is, say it. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's called the Nappuccino. <laughs> so if you guys heard of this, it's amazing. Um, he says that, um, and you know, everything he says is backed up by like a ton of science and data. So y'all grab the book if you're at least been interested in all these studies. He actually even has a whole chapter on schools and how schools mm-hmm. could take away like, um, yes, it seems like giving a 17 minute break every hour would be non-productive, but there's studies in like, I don't know, Sweden or something where the schools where they did that, the kids test scores went like through the roof. Sure. So you're not wasting like dull time on kids that aren't listening. You're getting like hyper-focused and attentive kids during the times that they're working. So nappuccino, ideally, yes, I know. And I'm one, like if I lay down for a nap, I've always like marveled at how Andrew can just like fall asleep. He can tell his body go to sleep and then he can wake up 20 minutes later. Does does Ryan do that? I mean, it's like, I think they train them how to do this. Probably. Like, um, but I'm like, no, because then I wake up groggy. It takes me forever to fall asleep. It's this whole, you know, thing. Well, that's real. So the ideal nap is between 10 and 20 minutes, which is really hard to do, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't want to, or you're like me and you snooze the alarm. <laughs> so you got to be really strict about it. If you sleep more than 20 minutes, you're going to fall into like a level of sleep that causes this thing called sleep inertia, which is why you get groggy when you wake up. So the, the what you need to do, Chug a coffee, a cappuccino, a, a latte, a espresso, something with caffeine. Whatever. Yeah, something with caffeine. Drink a coffee. 
lay down, set your alarm on your phone for 20 minutes or 25 minutes, I think is what he said. Cause it'll take you about mm-hmm. five to seven to fall asleep. Ideally, mm-hmm. um, get your little sleep mask, play your music, whatever you need to do, fall asleep. Your alarm goes off, you wake up. And I actually do this when I need to go pick the kids up for school. So I, I have to, I have to go. I got to get up. There's no snoozing. Like I got to get my children. So um, fall asleep, wake up in 20 minutes. And by then the caffeine's hitting your system. So you get like a double bit. Yeah. You've had the benefit yep. of the caffeine and the rest. Yeah. I do little naps like that. I don't necessarily drink the cappuccino or what beforehand. I like to savor that maybe as a treat in the afternoon, but mm. I, I do set the alarm and I have found that that perfect little window. I usually set 28 minutes. That's my little time I said, mm-hmm. but it does mm-hmm. I kind of ease into a sleep and it feels very deep and restorative by the time I wake up. And I usually I'll hear my alarm and I'm like, Oh, it's already, you know, it's already yep. over, but it has felt restorative and restful because yeah, there's something about that. Just that short amount of time, you know, that you need to like, just lean into it because it'll be over soon. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I do feel like I'm, pow- I'm ready to kind of, I hate to say power through the afternoon, but I guess now I have a word, my rebound, yeah. I'm like rebounding with the, you know, energy for my second half of the day. Yeah. And you want to make the most of it. So, yeah. uh, you know, these are all little ways in which to reinforce the rhythm where your body's flowing anyway. Yeah. Um, so embrace it. You ain't changing it, <laughs> you know, and try to make the most of it. Um, for me, that looks a little different, but I do love knowing that like, okay, there's a reason for this. I'm fighting an uphill battle sometimes, like give in and take a break. You don't have to power through, charge through, like actually, no, this is my body telling me I need to step away. Another, one other tip is, um, drink your water, right? You're supposed to drink water. If you drink a whole big, huge thing of water, guess what? You're going to have to get up and go to the bathroom at some point. And mm-hmm. usually that's around like an hour to 90 minutes after you drink the right. water. So it, you can you can program your body to override your brain sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so just make sure when you get up, use the restroom, a little bio break, uh, go take a short little walk. You know, like do something else to like stop thinking about whatever you're doing. And he even says that there's this effect. I can't remember what it's called. But if you leave it something midstream, like let's say you write the email, but you mm-hmm. don't send it. Mm-hmm. That's going to nag you, right? Like that'll right. be in there, but it actually does promote um, more energized return to work. Like a re- he calls them restarts. So if you leave a project like almost done and walk away from it, it might give you more um, energy to come mm-hmm. back at it with different eyes, right? Like, so you yeah. can come back at it with like another set of eyes and you're like, cause it's going to lay on you. Like, oh my God, I got to finish that. I'm so close. I'm almost done. It just needs this one little thing. Go take your break come back with fresh eyes and you're going to come back with like a renewed kind of spirit for it. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Like There's tons. It's filled with all these amazing little takeaways and tidbits. Um, I love it. I listened to it on a trip. I'm going to buy it so I can like highlight and bookmark everything and try to actually put more of it into practice. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. I like it. Well, and I, I want to also say here um, off, you know, offline before we were, were recording, I told Kelly I was going to come for mm. her on this because <laughs> our last episode, episode 23, we talked a lot about goals and resolutions and intentions. And I asked her today, I said, you know, well then to what end, like why, why do we care about all this time management if we aren't working toward priorities or if we haven't identified what those things are that are important so that we're using those. And so that was my my takeaway for this was this feels like a perfect add on to what we talked about last week, because now that I have set these intentions and now that I have these, you know, ideals or 
resolutions or goals, whatever you want to call them, this is giving me a focus on, okay, well, here are the things I'm hoping to accomplish. Now I know when I need to try to accomplish them or the best way to fit them into my day or my week. Right. So I love, I love this um, as a add on or a, a pairing with our resolutions episode. I love how you're thinking of this in such a global way too, versus I'm very like, oh, day to day, this will help me like on a Monday morning at 8am when I have to take a call, right? Like you're more like big picture goals, like how does this long term, you know, help me achieve? Um, So that's interesting. But yeah, I know it does. It has altered like I know now I don't schedule. um, I don't really send emails or like do phone calls in the morning, like my in the early morning, I try to save those until the afternoon, um, just because they're not as much of a lift. So then I'll try to do more, like, again, more analytic, if I need to like dive down into, um, you know, whatever spreadsheets, all that good stuff, like I can do that now in the morning, knowing like, okay, that's when I'm better at that task. Um, So yeah, and I love it. I just love it on a micro level, because it's easy little bite sized things that I can do instead of like tackling Mm -hmm. this huge, big, intimidating goal like we talked about last week. So yeah, Yeah. no, I think it's great. It's a great read. I love it. Well, what would you say would be something that maybe more generally speaking, not necessarily something he mentions in the book, but like, what's your best tip for time management? Like not just for you, but like maybe to share with our audience, like what would you say is a good one or two mm. tips that if, if for somebody who's like, gosh, I just I haven't even thought about this or my day mm-hmm. has no structure. Or as I mentioned, as someone who is not working outside the home right now, I get into this mindset of I can do this today or I can do this any day. As an example, right. like cleaning my house, there's no urgency to do it on a Monday because I could do it Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday. So for the person who feels like her, his or her time is just not accounted for, what would you mm-hmm. say some general tips might be? So, yeah. So my, the biggest thing that I've worked on over the past few years is knowing your value and knowing mm-hmm. my value. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, it's almost like monetizing your minutes, right? right? Like how many minutes do I have in a day? How much could I earn? And that doesn't have to be like money. That could be like, what's paychecks what episode six Mm -hmm. seven we did on episode on paychecks like what are your paychecks um what what is it that's going to fill you up that you're working that you're living your life for like Mm -hmm. you know i work to earn money to pay for things to pay for trips to pay for but you know whatever it is like you can you can take it out as as far as you want but i know how many um how much my minutes are worth so an hour of my time is worth x right so i try to bounce things off of that and if it's if someone else can do it better than i can more efficiently than i can um, for less than what it would cost me to do. Um, and that could be mental anguish. Like I don't do plumbing because that is not a good look for me. So (laughs) I pay for that. (laughs) I outsource that. So learning what your value is helps you kind of like do your, your balance sheet of whether or not it's worth to, um, hire someone to do a task or do it yourself. Case Mm -hmm. in point, the smallest thing that I outsource is the grocery shopping. I pay an extra six bucks to have somebody shop it for me and I go pick it up. Yep. Um, and my mom was like, how much do you pay? you pay for this every time? I was like, mom, an hour of my time meandering up and down the grocery store and like running mm-hmm. into people that I know and all this stuff. Like, yeah, it's worth $50. I'll right. pay five. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you bring a good, up a good point. There's another podcast I listen to that I'll link in the show notes, Surviving Sarah. And she and another friend talk about that specifically about using grocery pickup or shipped or Instacart, whatever, mm-hmm. fill in the blank. And and the thing I took away from that was I, nobody else can sit down to dinner with my kids. 
Right. Any anybody can go pick up my groceries. That doesn't take yeah. Claire to to go right. do that. That could be fill in the blank from Walmart right. to go walk the aisles. Right. But that person can't come and have face to face contact with my family during time that's important. So I, I love yeah. that takeaway from you on figuring mm-hmm. out what you're worth. Because yeah, somebody else can go pick up my groceries. I don't need to spend two hours doing that when and I would better. You know- and to that point, I think we're better at it than uh, sometimes our husbands, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so my spouse, he likes, he, well, okay, he does the yard work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, do you enjoy this? Is this like bringing you joy, as Marie Kondo would say? And mm-hmm. he's like, well, no, but I got to do it. And I'm like, why don't we pay somebody to do it? Like, right. I can pay like three or four guys to come and they'll be done in half an hour and it's done. It's a weight off your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm paying them almost next to, not next to, I'm paying them not as much as you would need to be compensated given right. who you are and what you're, you know, like, I don't know, like, I don't, whatever. I'm like, you husband are worth more to me than that 50, 75 bucks or whatever. I just paid the yard guys. Yeah. So that to me is time well spent and money well spent because I'm getting you for an extra hour, two hours, mm-hmm. um, three hours sometimes. So yeah, yeah convince like, and you can apply this to all aspects of your life, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. My big takeaway or tip, I think, that has helped me significantly over the last few years is I used to think that I was a great multitasker, but I've been challenged on that. And I've really realized that that whole concept of multitasking is actually a huge scam. Uh, The best best thing is to not do half work and not do multiple Mm. things at once, but to singularly focus on the one thing you're doing. And mm. I have found that when I kind of make a list, put it in my planner, my get to work book, you know, I love that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can see what needs to be done. And instead of like the image of all these plates spinning or juggling or trying to handle all multiple things at once, I pick one thing, I go for it and I knock it out. And so I love mm-hmm. this idea of single tasking. And to me, that's one of the most underrated productivity hacks of all time. <laughs> and that's just pick, pick the one thing you need to work on, do it to completion, do it well, do yeah. it with all your focus and all your attention, and then you're done with it and move on. Um, I know for me as a homeschooling mom, there's a lot of times I'm like, well, I'm quote at the table with the kids, but I'm also starting dinner and I've got a load of laundry in and I'm sending this email and I'm going to start writing this article. And it's like, none of that gets done well. But when I just... Right. And I've done that lately is like, I just focus on the thing I'm working on and then move on. So I like it. And you're able to check things off instead of like always having like half done things on your list. (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. Well, don't get me wrong. There's a satisfaction in checking something off, but it's more Mm -hmm. than just the drawing a line through it or highlighting. It's really the the peace of mind of saying, I can take this out of my brain now and set it down. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Don't have to think about it. For, For sure. Yeah, I know. That's great. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode. Stay tuned for our actual advice segment that's soon to follow. Today, I'd like to introduce you to my good friend, Amy. Um, We are actually on a four hour time difference because Amy is in Hawaii and I am on Central Time in Louisiana. I've known Amy for several years. She was one of my first military spouse friends when we were both stationed at Fort Bliss. We connected instantly over our love of planners. Um, Amy was my FPU coach when we went through the course many moons ago, and I have always had a lot of respect for her and the way she runs her life. So Amy, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Aloha from Hawaii. 
Yay, aloha. Well, so we want to dig right in. Um, I mentioned that you have always been someone I've looked up to um, in the way that you organize your life and the systems you keep. Tell me a little bit about what it means to you when I say productivity or managing your time or time hacking. Well, to me, I just I think of like productivity and time hacks as being lifesavers and basically something that you just need for your day to day life of how you can make your day manageable. And so, like you said, over time, you know, you kind of as you live in different places or your family grows or you go from being I was a stay at home mom for 10 years, have been back working full time for almost six. And so just constantly evaluating all those things to see, like, what can I do to improve my life, to make it easier, to make my schedule go smooth, to lower my stress, um, to get everything that needs to be done and get it done when it needs to be there. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, in our regular episode, we talk a little bit about the difference between early birds, night owls, and something called third birds, which people kind of fall in between the two. I know you, but what would you say that you are between an early bird and a night owl? <laughs> I, I am a definite early bird, and I have been that way my whole life from even like back to like my childhood and teen years. Like I remember waking up at like four o'clock in the morning to study for tests when I was in high school and things like that. I have my mind is the most clear when I wake up in the mornings. And so even through my adult life, and even when I was a mom of young kids, I've always just been somebody who likes to wake up early and gets a lot done before most people are awake and moving. Right. Well, I was thinking back to when I knew you in El Paso, and I feel like you would wake up and go run like five miles before (laughs) the rest of the world even like rolled over in bed. So what does that look like for you being a morning person and an early bird? How does that look like on a a weekly basis or what are some of those things you like to do to kind of help set yourself up for success throughout the day but those are the things that you do in the morning time over the last year it's it's you know we've had a big move so I should say that we we moved here to Hawaii um, about six months ago and we lived in a hotel for seven weeks and uh, somehow we survived that and so we've been like in our house living for about five months or so now so or five months. And so those morning routines have been essential. Um, so the thing that I start my day out is I always start out with some kind of exercise. Now, back in El Paso, I was super into running. Um, but I would say since I've been working full time, walking has been my exercise of choice, because yeah. who can get up and run at, at four o'clock in the morning? I mean, maybe there are there are people because I'm passing them by on the streets. But Walking has been kind of my go-to form of exercise, and so I get up in the morning, I put throw on my workout clothes, I go um, do about a two-mile walk around my neighborhood, I come back, make coffee, um, spend about 20 minutes kind of just doing some spiritual disciplines, which are really important to me, and so I have a journal, I read my Bible, spend some time praying, um, and then just get ready for my day. I I always do things in the morning, you know, these are just household chores as far as you know, getting the dishwasher unloaded and loaded back up after our breakfast dishes, because I do not want to come home to a messy house when I get right. off of work. And so um, those are just all things of, of, you know, I might throw a load of laundry in, in the mornings. I, this morning I put um, a crock pot meal together because I knew 
you know, we were going to be recording this podcast, you know, once I got home. And so I wanted not to have to worry about dinner tonight. So those are just some things that I kind of have into place to make life easier. Right. Right. Well, another thing we talk about on our regular episode is how most people, no matter what time you wake up, you hit a peak like early in your day. And then you hit what the expert we quote in a book calls a trough, which is kind of what we might call like a a downturn or you like, you know, lose energy, lose focus. And then most people rebound later in the day. So even on a work day, what time do you typically hit your peak? And what time do you typically kind of hit your lull or your trough or your, Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Well, I would say I probably hit my, I hit my peak pretty early. I would think, because, you know, around, I would say around the hours of like maybe nine to 10 ish would probably be my, my peak to where I'm just feeling good and feeling full of energy and my mind is feeling sharp. Mm-hmm. But definitely I hit a big lull, um, usually after lunch. Um, mm-hmm. And I work for um, the school district here on the island and schools here get out earlier than the mainland. So like today our school got out at 140. And so I am like so sleepy. So by the time like we get kids out the door and I have to stay until three 30, it's like, whatever, you know, I'm just like trying to stay awake basically. So So what do you do? What do you do to kind of like perk back up or push through? Do you caffeinate? Do you like get up and take a walk? Like what are the things you might do to power? Well, I, I think, yeah, no, I think definitely movement is key for me. And, um, I don't do a lot of caffeine in the afternoon just because, that kind of messes up my bedtime. And I I should Mm -hmm. add that I do tend to go to bed pretty early. So um, our, and and thankfully my family is kind of on the same schedule as, as me. My, my, I have two teens that they like to Mm -hmm. sleep in, but during the the school week, we try to like say, okay, eight, eight 30, like our, our phones have to be plugged in for the night. The TV has to be off. And so my goal is to be in my bed around eight, eight, eight 30, so that I can read. That's how I kind of like down, you know, oh, de-escalate from my day yeah. and kind of wind down or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I can't do caffeine um, in the afternoons just because I would not be able to go to bed when I need to right. go to bed because of how early I have to wake up. Yeah. Well, I told Kelly earlier when we recorded that I felt like just an old fuddy-duddy because I go to bed even on the weekends between 9 and 9.30. You have oh, me, me too. I love it. <laughs> Well, you, you know what, though, you're just going up to start the routine of reading and all that. You may not be. Yeah, but that. you know what? That's that's one thing just for and I don't I think I found as, as I've gotten older that my body just needs that sleep. And for me mm-hmm. to function at the best that, you know, even if I don't go to sleep until nine o'clock and I wake up at four thirty, that's only seven and a half hours. And that doesn't right. that doesn't include all the time that, you know, it takes you to fall asleep or that you wake mm-hmm. up in the night or whatever. And, and, uh, so I, I just, my body needs that sleep. So I've, I've kind of made that a priority. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So what are some other things that you feel like are quintessentially Amy, like Amy things that help you stay productive, that help you manage your time that you notice as kind of being your productivity rhythms throughout a day or a week? Well, I I think one thing that I have to do is I just have to keep, keep a schedule and I'm, you know, I know this is 2020, but I am like an old school written down planner. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's just something that I've I've tried to go electronic and, and just can't get on that bandwagon. But 
just keeping everything written down, um, keeping things, you know, that I'm, I'm tracking all the time. List making is extremely important to me of, of different things that I, that I have to do because, mm-hmm. you know, I was sharing with um, a coworker today about the, just the mental load that I carry on any given day. And Absolutely. Um, this morning, my husband actually didn't have to go into work quite as early. And so him being here in the house kind of threw out my routine mm-hmm. and he, he kind of made a joking comment to me. He's like, because I like left later than I should have for work. And he was like, you would never make it in the army, you know, meaning <laughs> I wasn't going to be there early. And I was just like, well, you don't understand all the things that I have, I have to do, or I'm trying to do or thinking through throughout the day. And I, you know, I sat down oh. and started thinking about it and it's like, you know, I wish I could just, you know, get, get in my car and drive to work and not have to think about anything else. Right? But no, those lists no. and calendars <laughs> and planners of everything that is my, my mental load of what I'm carrying that needs to be done today is just so great. And so just having everything written down is, is essential for me. I mean, I would, I would go crazy and drop, drop the ball in so many ways. The other thing I just wanted to mention too, that I don't know if it's, you know, quintessentially Amy, but I've really had to get my family on board and learn to delegate and really get my family more invested like I said, I was a stay-at-home mom for 10 years, loved loved that, you know, really got involved in um, a lot of different, you know, volunteer things, play groups, mops, all those kinds of things. But when I went back to work, I, I went back at part-time at first, and then two years later, I went back full-time. I literally called a family meeting and said, mm-hmm. this is something that I want and need to do, but in order for me to do this and be successful and to stay sane... I'm going to need your help. And so I had to be very clear about this is exactly what I need you to do. My husband is is a huge help for me, but he doesn't often see the things. It right. needs to be expressed, you know, have it explicitly told, like, I need you to go, you know, clean the shower or can you run the vacuum? I call that making you... the vision plain. I make the vision yes, plain for yes. the family. <laughs> If, if I ask him, he's happy to help, but he doesn't see all those things on his own. And I, I am an Enneagram one. And so when it comes to my house, I, I will admit that I do have high standards for mm-hmm. how my house is run and how I like it to be clean and orderly. I like to be able to find everything. Everything has its place. But I have just had to, you know, lower my standards and really learn to just let go of that critical eye that just kind of comes naturally to me because, you know, everyone's helping, you know, kids sometimes, you know, don't do things as cheerfully as I would like them to do when they're doing the chores around the house. But, you know, Saturday mornings, for example, um, we try not to schedule anything when possible on Saturday mornings because that's kind of our catch up time where if all four of us pitch in, like within an hour and a half, we can get the whole house done from top to bottom. And so I guess that's just something that I, I um, recognize now that I'm glad that I've done, you know, that my kids all do their own laundry. They are responsible mm-hmm. for kitchen duty every other night, you know, throughout the week. Yeah. Um, they clean their own bathrooms, their own rooms. There's certain chores in our common rooms of our house that they have to do um, every Saturday. And so that just goes a long way to being helpful to me to be able to make sure everything's getting done that needs to be done. Absolutely. Well, I think the the main takeaway for me and what you just said is you sat your family down and you like looked them in the eye and you expressed your expectations. 
Um, I think so many times, especially those of us who are kind of, quote, running the household or, you know, CEO of the home, we have all these expectations, but when we don't articulate them, people can't read our minds. And so I think that's right. the, the yeah. fact that you sat down and, and let them know, um, that's huge. And then, you know, I, I know we both talked offline. Your kids don't wake up as teenagers just suddenly knowing how to do these things. It takes time when they're young to like plant those seeds, show them how um, be okay with the imperfect, but keep plugging away so that when they are older, like it's not a big deal. Everybody just pitches in. So I love that. Right. Yep. Well, our yep. time is running short, but I do want us, I want to leave, just let you leave our listeners with any piece of advice for the person who, and, and Kelly and I talked a little bit about this too, for the person who doesn't have routines, for the person who feels like her day or his day is just totally getting away from them, what would be one piece of advice or one tip you might give to help motivate someone or even like just a practical tip that you might give for how to like jump into starting this process? Yeah, well, I guess I would say just start small. Yeah. You know, think about what is causing you the most stress in your in your house. Is it deciding, you know, what we're going to eat for dinner tonight? Is it, um, you know, how, how am I going to get into a habit of, of getting, keeping my house clean or, you know, whatever it is, just pick one thing that's, that's really causing a lot of, of heartache, you know, in your home, whether it's just stress or, or whatever it is. And just um, think about, you know, what can I do? You know, for one thing, for, for me, I think about, you know, we've, uh, the jobs that we're working right now, um, we are not eating breakfast at home. My husband and I are both eating breakfast at work and it was causing a lot of headache in the morning because we like to eat a hot breakfast, like a bacon and eggs type breakfast every morning. And it was just taking way too much time. And I was having to wake up too early to do that. And so I was like, how about I just throw together some quiches? And mm -hmm. so about every four or five days, I just throw some, you know, eggs and whatever veggies, whether it's like I had leftover asparagus this week and some mushrooms that needed to be used up and some cheese and just throw it in a pan and I cook that and then we eat on that the whole week. And so that was just something that saved me a lot of time in the morning. And, you know, it's, it's healthy, it's nutritious. You don't have to, you know, run right. through a drive through or anything like that. And so I, that's why I say, just pick one thing. And, and then when you conquer that, think about adding something else. Absolutely. I love that. That's great advice for life. Start small, <laughs> just identify yep. need and then take, you know, one small step um, toward, what it is you're needing to accomplish. Well, Amy, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to go ahead and end this, but we appreciate your actual advice and look forward to hearing from you later. I've already got Amy on the hook for um, an Enneagram episode airing later, so you can hear her again. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us today. I want to introduce you to a dear friend of mine that we've already kind of mentioned in the podcast. I'm bringing you my friend, Amy Bouchotts, who first introduced me to this whole concept of time management on a level that I was able to ingest and, and understand and relate to uh, 
at a conference not too long ago. So hi, Amy. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I, it's nice to be here. So I have to tell you guys listening, um, I just cornered Amy into doing this because I'm not great at time management and did not plan out our episode well. And I'm catching her right before she's taking off for vacation. So I just want to once again say a huge thanks, Amy, uh, for not turning me down. <laughs> so. That's okay. One of the things about time management is learning how to do tasks that you do not love and not procrastinating them by jumping on podcasts mm. with your friends. That is clearly not my <laughs> level of expertise because you have saved me from a mire of something that I did not actually want to do that much. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, Amy, tell me, um, we talked a little bit on the podcast about Daniel Pink's book, When, and um, how, again, you just got me hooked on tons of awesome ideas of how to like chronotype yourself and then planning your day accordingly. What are some of your favorite takeaways from that book specifically? And then what have you also kind of incorporated into your own personal time management strategy? Because you are literally one of the busiest people I know. Sure. So I think that it's really important to understand when in your day you have that uh, peak trough and recovery that he talks about in that book. Mm -hmm. It has helped me tremendously to understand when those are in my daily routine and to schedule or reschedule tasks accordingly. So I'll give you an example. I like to go to the gym first thing in the morning because that is when my friends go to this class that is, I mean, it's the same class all day long, right? The same workout. I go to a CrossFit gym and that's how those are organized. My friends go to a CrossFit workout that is at 4.45 a.m. I am a morning person. My day starts at 4 a.m. and my peak is about 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. Okay, so that's when Mm -hmm. I feel my best. That's when I'm getting the most done. It's also conveniently before my kids are awake, right? So I have the (laughs) opportunity to get the most done. All of the stars have aligned for top productivity, deep work, right? That deep thinking Mm -hmm. in that three or or, um, six, yeah, two hour period. Can't count today. Uh, So if I go to the gym for an hour of that, and then I have to take a shower and all that stuff. I have just wasted on a activity that does not require my full attention. That should arguably be a trough activity, right? Mm. I've wasted that in a peak window. So I have reformatted my schedule. I have had to give up that class, right? So I don't get to see my friends then. That's a bummer. But it's so much better for my productivity that I go to the gym instead when I'm tired. So in the early evening or late afternoon, or maybe mid afternoon, I go to the gym during that time. And I use my peak time for peak required work. So do you think that has any detrimental effects? Like what if someone is less motivated? So Claire and I were talking kind of about the same topic and it was like, well, what if that's, you need to go during your peak time because that's when your body's most responsive to work out. What if you're say like an athlete, you're training for something. Is it just a matter of prioritizing what you want to use that peak for? Yeah, I think it is. I think it really is. Uh, to me, I work out because I enjoy it. I work out because it's good for me. I work out because it's mentally healthy right? And do, is my workout better that time in the morning? Sure. Absolutely. I, I couldn't mm-hmm. disagree with that. But is that the most important thing I'm doing every day right now? Not really. Mm-hmm. So I would say that that's a seasons of life thing too, right? If I'm, tra- I'm a runner, if I'm training for a big race, I might use my early morning to go for a run 
because I'm going to be most keyed in then. And that run is very important to me at that time. So this isn't like a universal law for me. Sometimes I do still go to the gym at that time. However, by and large, the gym time is not the most important part of my day from a productivity standpoint. It just isn't. Right. It's kind of a feel good. It's good. It's healthy for you. It's good for your mental stability, (laughs) but it's not not, something that pays the bills. Right. And I'm not skipping the gym. Right. Like I'm, right. I'm still going. It's just as at a time that maybe I don't enjoy it as much or, or whatever, because it's not the most important. I also say like, I have to be very careful with how I go to the gym in the afternoon to your point, right? I need to make sure that I 100% make sure that I eat something before I go. Because then mm-hmm. I really feel bad, right? Because now I have low blood sugar and I'm mm-hmm. tired and all like that's a convergence of not feeling great and not using the gym well. So when I'm careful to have a snack about a half an hour before, problem solved, right? I get mm. something out of it. If I don't, I'm there and I'm basically whining the whole time. I'm sort of famous <laughs> among my gym friends for at least once a workout looking at people and be like, um, Hi, I'm hungry. Have I mentioned that today? Hello. Yeah, hungry. Yes, that's me. You know. <laughs> so Claire uses an acronym. It's hungry, angry. Oh gosh, so I forgot what L is or tired. Mm-hmm. L is something. Halt. And it's like if there's any, if I'm upset or not feeling right, there's one. It's one of these four reasons, and that's usually mine's usually. So hunger. <laughs> what's really funny about the halt acronym is that's famous among. Um, uh, 12 step programs. <laughs> oh my goodness. Whoops. Yeah. Okay. So what, um, Amy, what are some of your other favorite sort of, uh, productivity hacks or time hacks to help those of us, specifically those of us who are not morning people who I understand that, that as my chronotype, I am definitely the night owl, but, uh, life is not adjusted well for me in that. <laughs> so I have to try to kind of continually, um, force myself into things that don't fit my natural rhythm rhythm. So what would you suggest for people like me who have a harder time adjusting? Kelly, you and I have talked about this quite a bit. I believe I know, strongly <laughs> in the power of no, right? Mm. So there are things you have to do. There are like, you can't get out of it. Right. But there are things that you are saying yes to that you don't actually have to do, or you could say yes to at a different time should you actually want to, right? And so mm. I believe very firmly in the secret to success is saying no to the things that you should not be doing and yes to the things that you should be doing and to taking the time to sit back and ask yourself which uh, which things fall into which categories, right? Mm. So when mm-hmm. I say, oh, no, the power of no, right? It's not blanket no. It's saying when should I go to the gym? Yes, yes, yes. Right. When? Hmm. No to 445. Yes, the afternoon. And it's funny that I keep bringing this up because when you heard me talk about this at a conference was really when I was first thinking about that question, because I had been going to that 445 class until that point. Right. And I mm-hmm. realized that this was a real, as I sat back and looked at my schedule for you know, at, and, and that was in the fall and I was sort of re-examining um, my schedule. As I sat back and looked at it, I realized that that was really the biggest uh, pitfall of my day was wasting that time at the gym. And I use, again, wasting very loosely, right? Because it's an important thing for me mm-hmm. to do, but it's not important to do it then. So yeah. I said no to that. 
Yeah. And you're always like dragging or catching up, especially when you feel like you're putting like a selfish need in front of things that you're supposed to be doing, even though like everyone's screaming from rooftops right now, like take care of you, girl, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, the reality is, is like we have responsibilities and we have things that we're accountable to and beholden to like jobs and work and family and, and whatnot. So yeah, I think that's great advice and not necessarily like, yeah, like you said, it doesn't have to be like a hard mean no, you know, even if it's people like calling you, uh, five minutes ago, hey, Amy, please hop on a podcast. And I literally said, Amy, you can no llama me because we yes. have a, there's a mascot for the no. You want to talk about the mascot? Sure. The, the mascot is, it's a, it's a festive llama, right? And, and he looks incredulous, incredulous yet mm-hmm. festive. And the llama underneath him, his beautiful self has the word nope. And I gave this to everyone at the conference and it actually, a copy of it hangs in my office, a little printout. Yep, same. That's Lama mm-hmm. reminds me to say no. So yeah. there's that. I want to add though, you asked uh, how to work as a non-morning person in a morning person mm-hmm. world. So I would suggest that you carefully examine when the, the things you say yes to that are early in the morning. Uh, I am a not a night person. I am a morning person. Okay. So what does this look like for me on the opposite end of the spectrum? It means that I don't go out to stuff at night and people make so much fun of me. They, oh, I think I did. I'm sorry. No, (laughs) but uh, here at home, right? That's different. We're at a conference here at home. (laughs) I get crap all the time. Oh, Amy won't come. Mm. I know you won't come. You know, they come to the thing. Oh no. You know, that's after your bedtime. Okay. Like you can hear this really annoys me. Right. But I continue to say no to them because I know that that is not who I, that's not the best use of my time. It's not what I want to do. I won't have Mm. fun, right? It's not going to be good. Okay. So what does that mean in the morning? You could say no to meeting friends early for coffee. Mm -hmm. You could say no to any sort of club or anything that has an early morning component. You could say no to the 4.45 a.m. class at the gym. No harm, no foul. Absolutely. Right? (laughs) There are things that people are asking you to do that are early in the morning that you can say no to. And the level to which you get a hard time at in the professional world for not being a morning person, I get a hard time in the non-professional world for not being a night person. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I could see that. We talked mm-hmm. about that on a previous episode. We were talking about drinking less and, you know, attitudes toward alcohol and whatnot. And that was definitely something that came up because I'm a I imbibe and Claire, my partner, does not. Mm-hmm. And so we were kind of like presenting both sides of that. So I guess, yeah, and it's the same argument for introvert, extrovert, right? Like everyone mm-hmm. kind of feels like on the outside of something. So I've always felt like, uh, night owls, like nothing is like praiseworthy about being a night owl usually. But then actually I read in his book, in that book, it said something about how some of the most creative people in history mm-hmm. uh, did their best work at like nine, from 9 p.m. to like 11, 12 at night. And I kind of yeah. hate that because I read it and I was like completely justified. I'm like, oh my God, I'm totally fine. It, like last night, I stayed up till 1 a.m. writing a couple of articles. I'm like, is that wise? Because I still have to get my kids to school. No, but, you know, if I do it sparingly, it's not a huge detriment to my like otherwise daily rhythm. So it's just, oh, it's complicated. I need to get into a better habit, but I no longer feel like guilt or shame around like being around people like you who get up at five in the morning and run mountain ranges and crazy. <laughs> For fun, I used to be very um, intimidated by that. But I admire you. 
uh, just don't ever invite me to go with. <laughs> yeah, but it's fine because you can, you're, please do invite me out at night because I like to know I that you've got of me, but I won't come. So <laughs> I know it's totally fine. <laughs> same, exactly. So usually like, don't accept the coffee invite in the morning. It just literally never happened. Right. I have never gotten an invite for a social anything past 10 a.m. because people know if they just know. That's so. what I'm saying. Amy, tell me a little bit about what you've got going on. I know you have some amazing things planned. Um, tell everyone where they can find you and uh, connect with you further. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I am the executive editor of military.com, which people may or may not know, but that is that is a day job. You know, well, it's a all the time job, but yeah. <laughs> on the in the periphery, I also yeah. run a website called Humans Outside, and I am launching a podcast. The Yay! Humans Outside podcast, where we talk to interesting people who make the outside just a part of who they are as a part of my effort to spend at least 20 consecutive minutes outside every single day, which I have been mm-hmm. doing successfully since September 1st, 2017. So I'm up to That's well awesome. over 800 days in a row. It's now just wow. a part of my habit. And we talk to people who are also focused on living outdoor lives, although usually not quite like that but in their own way. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, for any military spouses or veterans who are listening, if you're interested in breaking into writing, I know, pivot, I just, <laughs> I just republished my ebook, which is a guide uh, to for military spouses and veterans who want to start freelancing, but don't really know mm-hmm. how to turn writing into uh, a profitable enterprise. And so this really just lays out all the things I've learned by being in the industry for longer than I care to admit, and even <laughs> includes a list of about 18 different publications who are looking for freelance writers, including Millie, uh, including some of them, Millie. some of them, uh, many of them pay, some of them do not, but mm-hmm. we address why that is important to consider anyway in the book. Mm-hmm. So check that out. It's on amybouchats.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Amy. I appreciate your time more than anything. Thanks a lot. And thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us this week on Advice Not Given. For resources and links to all the things mentioned in today's episode, head over to our website at millspogurus.com. That's M-I-L-S-P-O-G-U-R-U-S. If you enjoyed this episode, please help others find us by adding your thoughts to an iTunes review and subscribing so you never miss a show. If you're interested in being a next level supporter of our endeavors, check out our Patreon page. You can pledge as little as a dollar per episode to help us out with expenses. Think of it as eavesdropping on our coffee date, but then sending over a latte. It's a thing. Also, be sure to find us on Instagram and Facebook at Gurus, where we keep the conversation going and where you can share your advice not given.